Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. that God has a message for you and me that's not for everybody. That's why the Bible doesn't make sense to people that are in the world. That's why the Bible doesn't connect with people who don't know who he is. And so he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, a lot of times I've read about this and heard the, the adage, God made this entire world in six days and he rested on the seventh. It's pretty awesome. You look at the snow-capped mountains, you look at the leaves on the tree, and even that, we see the world in a fallen state, but because before the flood, the world was much different than it is now. And it's still pretty awesome. I mean, even as cold as it is outside at, what, nine above zero, people in southern Arizona are listening going, why does anybody live here? Sometimes we all wonder that. Broken ice floor, looks like you're driving across glass, God's prepared a place for us in a perfect place. I like that. And when we look at this, it's not just any place. It's the right place that's with him. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. If God made this world in six days in its beauty, even in a fallen state, he's been working on our home for over 2,000 years. It's going to be a pretty nice place. I like that. And if I go to prepare a place for you, and he did, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We never have to be apart from God again. I like that about the way the Lord works. He's prepared a place for us, and he's prepared a place for us with him. Now, I've often had the question asked me, comes up probably almost once a week on Every Man and Answer, Can a Christian lose their salvation? Well, I've I've always told people, I don't believe you ever lose your salvation. If I lose my car keys, I haven't got the foggiest where they're at. If I leave my car keys on the table, I know where they're at. I've just chosen not to pick them up. So I don't believe we ever lose our salvation in that I get up in the morning going, whoa, I wonder where God went. No, I don't think we have that issue. But I do believe that Because God still gives us what's called moral free agency or the ability to choose, I believe that we can walk away from the Lord. Now, whether that is unto death and eternal separation from God, I'm not the judge there. I think I have trouble with anybody that tries to be in that position. But certainly we have enough Bible verses in the Bible, whether it be Jesus addressing the churches in Revelations chapters 2 and chapter 3, the seven churches, compelling them to repent, or they could get their name blotted out of the book of life, he wasn't addressing, he wasn't addressing the local smoke shop or uh, the local bar. He was addressing churches that were called by his name. I think I need to be very careful to give 
anyone a false sense of security that says, well, after putting Jesus in your pocket, live like the devil because you're still going to heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that. The second thing that causes a great issue is this. If I don't want to be around God's people here on this earth, If I don't really want to have that much to do with Jesus, though at one time I claimed I walked with him, why would I want to be with him through eternity? Let's read this verse again. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. Well, isn't that the whole idea of backsliding is to try your best to get out of God's presence? So if I don't want to be in God's presence for eternity, if I don't want to be in God's presence here, why would I want to be that way and locked into a place in his home? You know, in other words, I can't slip out the back, Jack, do my own thing, but I'm actually committed to being with him. Well, I don't want to be with him. I want to party down. I want to do my own thing. Well, that's the problem. See, in other words, a lot of times our mentality or little cliches that we will say when you really examine it under Scripture don't make sense. If I don't want to be around God's people on this earth, though I might call myself a Christian or a backslidden Christian or a nominal Christian or whatever name you want to lay on it, If I don't want to be around God's people here on this earth, if I don't want to be around the Word of God, the Bible, and that's God's voice, why would I want to do that forever in heaven? You see, that's why I believe Jesus said you must be born again. Not options like, you know, um, uh, 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 you know, a satellite radio in your new car, that kind of an option, but that I have to really be committed saying, God, this is what I want for my life. So he says that where I am, there you'll be also. You never have to worry about wandering in heaven. You know, I, I often wonder, you think about this for a minute, but people say, well, what are we going to do in heaven all for eternity? That's going to be boring. You know, sit around some cloud eating angels food cake and uh, you know, uh, stay away from that cloud. That's Mick Jaggers. And, and, and you know, what are we going to be doing in heaven? Well, when you stop to think about it, the Bible says throughout all of eternity, he's going to show us his greatness. What's inside the atom? What's beyond the stars? What's in the mind of God that even created what we know and how much more creativity is he capable of? You stop to look at some of the creations that God has made, and it's amazing. Whether whether it's how the atom works You know, and and some of the creatures that God makes are so unbelievable, which are an absolute anomaly for the evolutionists. You know, one of the greatest animals they have a problem with in evolutionary uh, teaching? The platypus. It's like when God got down to the end of building animals, he said, I don't know what we got left over here, but let's make something. It's got a duck bill. It's got claws like a, like a beaver. It's, it's one of the strangest animals. And they cannot possibly think whatever could have evolved to make this thing or whatever it became. So God's mind is what we're going to get to know forever. Somebody, the Jewish people say that 
The rabbis say when Messiah comes, even the space between the letters will mean something. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, I'll give you one you can think about. For you guys that study the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wouldn't bow down and worship the golden statue. Nebuchadnezzar became furious, and he threw the children of Israel into the fiery furnace. And why he threw him in there, he says even, he says there's a fourth in there like the Son of God or the Son of Man. But that's not the question. Who else was carried away captive to Babylon with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Daniel. Where was Daniel when this whole thing was going on with the golden statue? The Bible doesn't tell us. It's silent. Was Daniel away on some diplomatic mission? Was Daniel exempt from having to worship the golden statue? Was Daniel uh, uh, simply silent? The Bible doesn't tell us. But someday we're going to know. See, even the space between the letters will mean something. Where did all the water come from that flooded the earth? The Bible says the wells of the deep broke open as well as the sky above. There's one cubic mile of new water on the earth every year that wasn't on the earth before. It comes out of the earth. They don't completely understand it. You have the springs and all those kinds of things. And many of these springs that they find are not fed from rain. It just comes bubbling out of the earth. When we realize that God's got a lot of things for us to learn, how he does things. And by the way, in the mind of God, there's, there's wisdom. In fact, when you look at the book of, of, of Job, for instance, you get up around chapters 37, God starts uh, speaking and the things that God says about the oceans being on circuits. And, and how there was an admiral in the uh, mid-1850s that read the Bible that the ocean currents on a circuit, and he realized if he sent the ships to Europe and went south a little bit, it would pick up that ocean current, and they were able to get there weeks before if they just went the conventional way. Another thing that it says in the book of Job, which is absolutely astounding, and I don't know how else God could have ever said it concerning Fiber optics and radio is in the Bible. It says, God says, he says, can you send out lightnings that go to you and say, here we are. And I used to read that and I'd read about that and I go, what in the world is that talking about? God says, can you send out lightnings that will go to you and say, here we are. Well, First of all, you have fiber optics, which absolutely is modulated light. The the light goes through the wire, and then on the other end, there's a photocell that deciphers it, and that's what a fiber optic is. But lightnings, it doesn't say lightning that goes out. Lightnings, plural. You know what radio waves are? Energy in the air. And they go to you, and if you have a receiver, they'll say, here we are. And I go, how awesome that God could write that to a group of people that never really could understand 
what radio is or modern technology, and yet today we can read it and understand light can be modulated, and that's what radio, fiber optics, your telephone, your cell phone is all about. Amazing. Inside the mind of God is all these things. So friends, if you think we're going to go to heaven and just sit around on a boring cloud and listen to a choir sing for eternity, you're badly mistaken. Don't ever miss heaven for the world. He's gone to prepare a place for us. And because he's gone to prepare a place for us, it's like unlike anything you've ever seen, dreamed, or could even think of. The Bible says... I have not seen nor ear heard what is recorded for those that love him, but it has been revealed to us in that we know that God has more for us than what we think. I love that. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. I, 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 this is interesting that Jesus said this. In this verse, Jesus reveals to us we know more than we think. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. So Jesus had just got done saying, when I go to heaven, there you'll be also with me. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Wow, that's interesting, isn't it? The way you know. Um, isn't it funny that deep down, the Bible, in fact, the Bible says that God has put in the hearts of men eternity. Isn't that weird? I mean, even in the worst atheist you'll ever come across, if you say positively, without a doubt, when you die, there's no life after, they will go, ah, I don't know. They don't know. Because there is a great judgment day that comes. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. I, I've shared this before. I used to work in a body shop. Body shops are filled with rusty fenders and lots of hammers and your fingers. And sometimes these cross paths with each other. And you'll find yourself hitting your hand or cutting your hand. I think the inside of a car door is probably one of the most wicked things on earth. When they stamp the metal, that's all ragged and jagged on the inside, and you have to reach up and get something. You come out, and you look like you got in a fight with a cat. And, and, and as you, you look at this, you, you see that, that um, when things are made, man makes them in imperfection. When God makes things, they're perfect. Working in a body shop... One time I was doing something. Everybody knew I was a Christian. I had a Jesus bumper sticker on my toolbox. God put it all together. Still on my toolbox 30 years later. There on my toolbox. And I remember I was doing something and I hit my hand and I cussed. And one of the guys in the shop, not a Christian, looks at me and he says, Ah, ha! I heard you cuss. I thought Christians weren't supposed to cuss. And then I looked at him and I said, Aha! You know what a Christian is supposed to be like. What's your excuse? Spun him around. Wasn't expecting to hear that. What's this verse saying? And where I go, you know, 
and the way you know. People let on that they're dumb about things eternal. You'll find people, again, that are atheists, that are superstitious. They'll do things in some way to bring them luck. I got my lucky penny in my pocket, or I got my rabbit's foot in my pocket. By the way, it wasn't lucky for the rabbit, just to throw that out there. But they do things in some way to bring about luck. Well, God knows that we're not as ignorant. Even people outside of faith are as ignorant concerning spiritual things as they let on. Now, I like Thomas. Thomas was being brutally honest, and he says to him, Lord, verse 5, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Now, I believe that Thomas had a pretty good inclination of this. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been with Jesus in the first place. But Thomas was honest. And you know, I, I believe that's one of the first things. If we really want to come to Christ, we really want to not let our heart be troubled. I think one of the first things we have to do is we have to be honest with God. And being honest with God translates into the way we pray. Have you ever heard people pray? Oh, it's so amazing. Uh, O oh, thou God above all gods. O oh, the God beyond the farthest, use the most cosmos. O oh, those that have the knowledge and thy son, thy presence, we come this way. And you go, what in the world are you saying? When really what we're saying is inside, amen, God, I'm hurting, help. Do you know God will honor an honest prayer? But I think sometimes when we fluff them up, we use only 16th century King James English when we pray. Well, I was just talking to my friend last night in 16th century King James English. Oh, thou dost know us, how art thou to this very fine day? You know, I mean, we don't talk like that. I think it's really amazing. This is just a caveat, not wishing to offend anybody here, but um, uh, seems like me offending people has become a normal thing. Isn't it amazing that the Book of Mormon was written in 1850 with 16th century King James English in it? Things that make you go, hmm. I guess if you're going to make up something, I guess you want to make it as close as you can, at least sounding the right way. Again, no one, I've asked Mormons this. No one can give me an answer on this. Where did you get 16th century King James English in 1850 when the Book of Mormon was written? They don't have an answer. There's one for you. The reason I get upset at that, because I see people trying to earn salvation. Jesus gives that to all of us. I didn't have to earn it. I didn't have to get sealed in the temple. I didn't have to recite a mantra. I didn't have to join a church. I didn't have to jump through a hoop. I didn't have to eat organically grown foods. All I had to do was say, Jesus, save me, and he did. Isn't that great to know? It's so simple. Saw this thing one time. It was a, actually a comedian group. And the gospel was being presented. And in the presentation of the gospel, uh, 
there's these little demons talking on the side and angels talking on the side. And the angels are saying, isn't the gospel so wonderfully simple? Who in the world would ever want to complicate it? And the demons are going, we do, we do, we do. (laughs) Well, that's what the demons do. They want to make it complicated. Jesus said, except a man becomes a child, he'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. What in the world does that mean? Does that mean I have to spend endless hours pouring over the mantras and the doctrines of the church in some way to find that I'm worthy enough to make it to heaven, only to find out that when I get there, if I wasn't good enough, you lose. You see, that's why God has given us as Christians the assurance of salvation. It is not based upon your performance. It's based upon his performance. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I love this. This verse is so important. We all know John 3.16 is probably one of the the, the foundation stones of the Christian faith. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is the other one. If you haven't marked this in your Bible, you need to mark it. And better than marking it, you need to memorize it. Here's why. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can ask people on the street today, what do you think of Jesus Christ? Oh, he was a great teacher. He was a, he was a good teacher. He was a great philosopher. Yeah, he was. He was one of the greats. Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, yeah, they're all telling us about God. Really? Have you ever read what Jesus said? Well, I, I, I talked about heaven and uh, doing good to one another and the golden rule and cuckoo cachoo and all that kind of stuff. It's really important. Yeah. Really? Well, did you ever think that when Jesus said in this verse, he categorically says every religion of the world is false except him? Whoa. Well, now that creates an issue, doesn't it? Because if he's a great teacher, yet he said he's the only way to God and the only way to eternal life, then either he's a liar or he is the only way. Let's read it again. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus here categorically says, Every other religion of the world is false. Wow. Wow. You see, do you you realize how to defend your faith? I've shared this many times before, but I remember when I was 18. And some people came to my front door with literature in their hands. And and they were knocking on my door and they had nice smiles. And they started showing me uh, in their Bible where uh, Jesus wasn't God. And Jesus was a created being. And in the beginning I was there. I was there when I created you. Well, I couldn't defend myself. I knew God. I loved God. But they just bulldozed over me. I, I don't know if this has ever happened to any of you. But it's one of the most embarrassing things that I think you can do worse. It's it's worse than having a noodle in your beard. I mean, it's bad. Being embarrassed can't defend your faith. And, and, And that troubled me. 
See, a lot of people just don't care. Well, you know, I've got pie in the sky and the sweet by and by, and I'm on my way. So I don't really care about anybody else if they don't make it. Well, that's not really the heart of God. I believe when you become born again, God puts his spirit in you. And all of a sudden, there's a focus and a desire to see the lost saved. What can I do to make the gospel understandable for those who don't know him? Thank you for joining us on It's Time. As Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.